As we continue part two of this series that we are discussing the way of wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.11, I've taught you in the way of wisdom and I've led you in the right paths. And we are, uh, as believers of Jesus Christ and disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, we understand the distinction between being just a believer and a disciple, uh, that a disciple is someone who is in an ongoing, developing relationship, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's what we want to be, uh, that we have to walk the way of wisdom. And, and that's what we're attempting to do. Last week, and the, if you were not here last week, uh, the message is on our, our YouTube channel, <clears throat> on our podcast as well. But last week, uh, we started out by, by talking about the worth of wisdom. And in the worth of wisdom, we kind of defined wisdom and its value for our lives. And we made the distinction between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, the famous saying, it's been attributed to a few different people, uh, but that that knowledge is, is the information, the understanding that a, a tomato is a fruit, right? But wisdom is uh, knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. That the difference between knowledge and wisdom, we're, we're not in a shortage of knowledge in our world. You can Google anything. You can ask uh, Surrey or your voice-to-text function on your Android, uh, whatever that's called. I don't know, sorry. Um, what is it? It's Siri there too? Google, Alexa, or something, it's something else. Anyways, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. Stop that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, can, we can find information. We can find knowledge very readily. What we are lacking is wisdom, what to do with that knowledge, how to handle that knowledge. And it really is a tragedy, uh, and it becomes tragic in culture. We're seeing this play out right now all around us when technology makes more knowledge available than we have the character to turn into wisdom. It takes integrity, it takes character to filter knowledge or information into wisdom that is practically lived out in life. And we don't want to just live any wisdom, we want to live uh, on the way of wisdom, the, the path of wisdom set out in the scriptures. That's the way of wisdom. So tonight, we are talking about uh, the works of wisdom or wisdom's Works. What does wisdom do? What are the works of wisdom? Proverbs 31, 31, uh, the famous chapter that is about a virtuous woman, Proverbs 31 woman, we refer to her as, and an appropriate uh, time to use this passage of Scripture with this Sunday being Mother's Day. Hint, hint, reminder for everybody out there. Uh, this Sunday is Mother's Day. Good time to put a plug in. Invite your moms. Uh, it's going to be, uh, we're going to have a great time here at church and, and some special uh, things. I know there's going to be a photo banner in the uh, in the hall and uh, some great gifts for mothers. I'm not sure what all were given away, but they've got all that handled and they've uh, got some gifts for all the mothers. So invite 
invite them out, good time for, for mom to come to church. And, and Proverbs 31, though, is really not just about a virtuous woman or a woman of wisdom, uh, but it's principles of wisdom that can be applied to any of us. I said this last week that Proverbs often refers to wisdom as a her. And, and I, I just think it's humorous. Uh, it's great for all of you ladies. It's uh, kind of an indictment to all of us dudes that uh, wisdom is a woman in the Bible. So uh, I guess that means that you ladies are just naturally more wise. And all the smart husbands said amen. I'm trying to help you guys help us out here. Okay, uh, that maybe just the ladies are naturally more wise. I don't know, but it applies to both of us. And Proverbs 31 says, give her or wisdom the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. In other words, when you live a life of wisdom, the works that flow out of your life or in New Testament language, the fruit that your life produces will be the affirmation of the life you're living. There's a lot of people that give free advice and the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. It's worth less. Advice is easy. I'm sorry, I wanna take advice from some people that have some works that wisdom has produced in their life. Some fruit in their life. I'm not gonna take financial advice from someone who's never figured out how to live on a budget or how not to bury themselves in debt. Well, that okay? If I'm, if I'm gonna take it financial advice, I want somebody who's figured some of that stuff out and is several steps down the road from wherever I'm at at the time, right? I'm not gonna take marriage advice from someone who's not married. That's a good place to start. That's good. That's, I was going like, like has all kinds of marriage problems, is on their 17th marriage, but, but I guess someone who's not married, that's a good place to start too, yeah. <laughs> right? Isn't it funny too that like sometimes people without children are like the people who have the best advice how to raise children? I don't know, I don't think there's anybody like that here. If there is, I don't know about it. I'm not calling you out, okay? But if that's you, just stop, okay? <laughs> just stop. Uh, <laughs> because the, the longer you parent, the more you realize that, man, parenting is a, it's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. Uh, we need the help of God. We need wisdom uh, from the Lord, right? Yeah. Parenting is like uh, living for the Lord. The longer you do it, the more you realize you don't really know what you think you know about it, right? That, so so we, we want to receive wisdom from, from people who, as Proverbs says, her wisdom, her works praise her in the gates. In other words, her, her wisdom produces such a life that people recognize it and they say, I wanna learn from that person. I want to grow 
from that person. I thank God, let me just say this. I thank God that we have a, uh, I feel like we have a, a very good, balanced church as far as age demographic. I'm glad that we have uh, a thriving portion of our congregation that is young and, and young families and young adults and, and uh, because that, and our children, of course, that's, that's the future and, and the, the now and the future of our church. But I thank God for the, I, I thank God for the, the precious elders in our church. I thank God for the great, well, I can't say gray hair because I'm not an elder, but I'm getting gray hair. I thank God for the elders in our church. Amen. We're, we are blessed and we are strengthened because of the Brother Adkins in the room and Brother Williams. And I, 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 I thank God for Brother LD and, and these people who have lived for God and been over more mountains than some of us can count and more valleys than some of us can imagine. And they have just stuck it out. They figured it out. And, and let me just say this, if you are, if you're struggling in your walk with God, if you're wrestling with something, uh, you know, go, go talk to one of these trusted elders. Go talk to somebody who's just been around for a while. I'm telling you, Lou Ramirez can drop some wisdom on somebody because he's been through it and back and he's lived for God through it. And these, these people, they, they know what it's like to have things go good and have things go bad and live through troubles like this and be offended and be put off and have people hurt them and do them wrong. And they're still here and still living for God and still producing the works of wisdom in their life. So wisdom produces works. Wisdom is shown in our actions. The fabled tale of the ant and the grasshopper that I'm sure many of us have, have heard shows the importance of planning and preparing for the future while the grasshopper played the days away, while the grasshopper, you know, hung out in his parents' basement playing uh, PlayStation and Xbox, and while the grasshopper just hung out at the mall with his buddies, and while the grasshopper just slept in every day, and while the grasshopper just spent most of her days on social media and not really doing anything of much production, the ant was working away. The ant was laboring away. During the summer, many probably viewed the grasshopper as the wise one because the grasshopper was sleeping in, hanging out on Instagram, just having fun. Just had all this time on her hands, the grasshopper did. But ants working away, sweating, laboring, what's, what's going on? But come winter, the roles were reversed. Come winter, while the grasshopper was dying a slow, painful death of starvation, uh, it proved that those who lauded the grasshopper's wisdom in the summer, time was a tattletale and proved that the grasshopper really wasn't that wise at all. But the ant was the wise one because come winter, the ant's work stood the test of the storm, uh, of the hard time or the cold winter. And, and so we, we've got to understand in our lives that, that we might live this way of wisdom and there might be times as we're living this way of wisdom that others look at us and say, why are you doing that? Why do you, 
Why do you do that? Why do you live like that? Why do you participate that? Why don't you do these things? Why can't you do that? Why, why, but, but, but time will prove it out. These elders are testimonies. Time will prove it out that the best life is the path of wisdom, the way of wisdom, living for God. And in the end, our, our world is so drunk on self and, and, and absorbed with self and, uh, man, just going with whatever whim and want and wish and, and so confused. I mean, people can't, I, I mean, the whole identity confusion and gender confusion, all this cr- absolute lunacy going on in our world. Just watch, just watch. Every time some spirits of hell like this that are, that are, that are prevalent in the earth, uh, Every time they seem to take over, as our our good friend, Dr. Jeremy Painter said, there is a built-in self-destruct mechanism in all of these cultural phenomenons. They will burn themselves out into extinction. Just wait. The way of wisdom will prove itself out that the way of wisdom is the right way. God's way is the right way. So we can't simply think ourselves to be wise. We have to demonstrate the best practices of biblical wisdom. We have to choose right over wrong. As I preached on Sunday, we have to choose the eternal over the temporary. There's some temporary sacrifices you're going to have to make for eternal reward. That is the way of wisdom. Now, the attributes of wisdom, according to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 1, as I said, depicted wisdom as a woman that we call lady wisdom. And, and she cries out to the unwise and, and begs them to get them to change their foolish ways. Now, as we move from Proverbs 1 to Proverbs 31, it presents an, another image of a, of a woman or an individual completely embodying biblical wisdom. And, and it gives many attributes that this woman has that are worth following. And again, this lesson is not a lesson for women. This is a lesson for all of us that applies to all of us. Her, uh, the first attribute of wisdom in Proverbs 31 is her strong relationship with her family, her husband, and, and, and those that are around her, we can say by extension. They, there's a confidence in the, the relationships that wisdom has. There's a, there's a peace in the relationships that wisdom has. Uh, it, scripture lets us know that he knows, the husband knows, that, that wisdom, the lady of wisdom, is gonna bring him, bring her, uh, or bring him good and not evil all the days of his life. We, in our present day world, broken relationships, broken families, broken marriages, separations, uh, divorce, all of these things that, that have impacted every one of our lives, including my own, we have to understand that the way of wisdom, the path of peace given in scripture will lead us to a path that, that governs our relationships. The path of wisdom, one of the attributes is that there's peace in our relationships. A second attribute of wisdom is wisdom's strong work ethic. This is something that is repeated in 
conversations, biblical conversations on wisdom. Let me say this again, crystal clear. To be lazy is painted in scripture no other way than sinful, unwise, foolish. Scripture gives no room for laziness. None whatsoever. I'm not talking, I'm not preaching, teaching against taking a nap, taking a day off, take a vacation. I, I bless you, I pray you get a good vacation this year and, and get a day off here and there and, and get some naps that you can squeeze in here. And Any power nappers here? Anybody like those power naps that you take? I'm not talking about three-hour naps, power naps. It's like a 15, yeah, okay, some uh, fellow power nappers. I read this book years ago about the power of these power naps, and, and man, I got to where I could take a power nap, just get tired and lay down, just lay back in my chair and set my alarm for 15 minutes and wake up refreshed. Uh, no, I'm not a robot. No, it's not weird. There's other witnesses here that, that uh, can attest. It's a pretty, pretty cool deal. I'm not talking about not taking naps or resting once in a while, but man, wisdom is not lazy. Wisdom has a strong work ethic, and specifically in Proverbs 31, that work ethic is preparing for the future. If you are not working in preparation for something, what are you doing? For everybody in here, you may be working in preparation for a, you fill in the blank, but what are you working in preparation for? A new car, a, a down payment on a house, a, a, you know, capital campaign, what, whatever you're working in preparation for, wisdom works in preparation for the future. That's why the, the depicted woman in Proverbs 31, she's found at the spindle or she's making clothing that can be produced and, and sold to either provide food for her family or can clothe her family and, and, and bracing for winter when winter comes. Uh, she wears strength and dignity in her work and she doesn't fear the future because she's working to prepare for the future. If we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to have wisdom enough to develop a strong work ethic. Amen? Wisdom, and that, that's, that's for everybody. That's for young, old men, women, everybody. We, we, a, good, a good work ethic. Some, these are some of the easy ways. Y'all, this is low-hanging fruit where we can show that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Because you know how foreign a strong work ethic is to so many in our world today? And if you just show up on your job, and I know, maybe you've got a job, maybe you're in, you know, some big, big shop or little shop or union job or non-union job, or what, it doesn't matter. But if you show up on a job where nobody really works hard and you actually care and obey the scripture, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might, do it to the best of your ability. You actually work with ethics and biblical integrity. You know what? That's going to stand out. That, that's going to stick out. People are going to see that. People are going to notice that. Wow, this person cares. While most of this, at these attributes of wisdom given in, in uh, Proverbs 31 are are repeated throughout the book. Uh, this one I, I find intriguing that wisdom's third attribute according to Proverbs 31 is that wisdom has 
superior business insight or, or business acumen. And, and you may say, well, man, I'm not a businessman or I'm not a businesswoman pastor, so man, I must not be wise. No, no, hang, hang on. That, that's not exactly the context that, it, that, it's, that it's talking about. Um, we may think of business as part of the secular world, but it's talking about handling her own business. Uh, Proverbs 31 this woman evaluates a field and purchases it, and then to increase the benefit for her family, she plants a vineyard. And whether she's trading garments in the market or she's planting a vineyard to feed her family, her business, her efforts are profitable. In other words, the, the business acumen is that Proverbs 31 says wisdom is described as a woman that doesn't just waste time doing things that are unproductive. A little bit different than the work ethic and laziness because sometimes you can work hard, but we're working at something that doesn't matter, that isn't even productive, that doesn't make any difference. But, but it's, it's described that wisdom is someone who has the business insight or the intellect to, to, or the ability or even the desire, uh, any of those things, to, to move something forward, to make something better. Look at your neighbor and say, make it better. Make it better. And while most of these other three efforts are centered on the household of this woman in Proverbs 31, the fourth attribute of wisdom shows how wisdom cares for those around her. Wisdom gives to the poor. It offers a helping hand to the needy. It teaches others. It's, it's, it's wisdom is someone who reaches out for those around us. Brothers and sisters, we have to, as the church, reach out to those around us. If you see somebody hurting, if you see somebody struggled, hey, if you look around a few weeks in a row, a couple weeks in a row, and you see somebody missing, we've got to reach out and care for others. We've got to care for the person on the job uh, that, that's never even come to church, like we care for the person who has come to church but been missing in action for a little while, like we care for the person who's here with us every single week. We have to care for one another. We have to care for one another. Now, wisdom that is from God, only his wisdom is the wisdom that we should be putting into our actions, and that wisdom is put into action through obedience to his word. Uh, we'd all do well to seek this type of wisdom that's described in Proverbs 31. We live in a world that is full of life coaches, <laughs> full of self-help books, self-help podcasts, uh, purveyors of peddlers of wisdom, and everybody's got, everybody's got an opinion on topics and buzzwords of the day, depression and anxiety and, and, and trauma and, and all of these like very common buzzwords of our day. You know, there's all there's more peddlers of wisdom, quote-unquote wisdom, out there than, than you can shake a stick at. But we have to discover our wisdom in Scripture. We read and we obey the Word of God 
first. And if the word of God doesn't align with their wisdom, then I have to know the word enough. Remember, I, I talked about this in the last Wednesday night when I talked about uh, uh, living in uh, countercultural. I can't remember what I titled the lesson, but it was the last Wednesday night of our family month in, in March. And, and when I talked about having a, a biblical, I think it was biblical worldview is what I called it. But that we have to be careful. We have to know the word enough, we have to study the word enough that we can recognize when something isn't right. Now, there are, there are some books that I've read, <clears throat> some things I've read or listened to that are not necessarily from a Christian perspective, but they don't contradict the word of God. In fact, <laughs> as my elder is a teenager, Brother Huffman told me, they, a lot of the great wisdom out there comes directly from the word of God, they just don't know it. So sometimes it may not be coming from a Christian counselor or a Christian psychologist or a Christian perspective, but, but, it's, but it affirms the word of God. But there are other things that give us principles that actually contradict the word of God. And it may sound good. It may give us some context that we've never considered before for our life, but we have to be very, very careful that we don't allow ideas and ideologies and philosophies into ourselves that contradict with the word of God. Our wisdom has to come from God first. We understand that if our wisdom is discovered in scripture, that we will find ourselves walking in the way of the wise. When we look at the scripture, we see people like Joseph who we can share in the wisdom of Joseph. Joseph's wisdom teaches us that you can refuse temptation and you can persevere even when the odds are stacked against you. When we look at the wisdom of scripture, we learn from the mistakes of a man named Moses. We learn that, that sometimes our motives may be good, but our actions are not. Well, Moses was a great man of God, a patriarch. But when we learn his story, we learn that it's possible to have your heart in the right place. He wanted to do something against injustice, but the something that he did was not pleasing to God, right? His heart was right, but his actions were off. When we study the wisdom of Scripture, we, we strive to be followers that are faithful like, like Joshua. Joshua, we can learn from one of the greatest leaders outside of Jesus Christ, one, arguably one of the greatest leaders in the history of the human race, Joshua. Look at the life of Joshua. We, we understand that, that God is able to use a man, one man of God, to take a group of people from being slaves in bondage and living with a slave mentality to turning them into being one of the strongest fighting forces ever assembled in the history of mankind. One of the strongest, most formidable armies. How do you do that? You can learn that wisdom from studying the life of Joshua. We see the power of prayer and fasting. You want to know the wisdom of prayer and fasting and obedience to God's word? Look at the story of Esther. Esther uh, teaches us that it's wise to recognize God's timing in our lives. And it, Esther teaches us that, that we are all called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're not just here occupying 60 minutes of space in your week on a Wednesday night. 
Do you know you're called to the kingdom for this hour and this day? I wish you'd look at the person next to you and say, you have a purpose. Every one of you, if there is breath in your body, you are not so old that your purpose is dead. If there is breath in your body, you are not so young that your purpose has not arrived yet. Every one of us have purpose. Esther teaches us that every one of us, though we may, we may look like a one face among many, every one of us is called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Every one of us has a purpose. We, we acquire wisdom when we read the book of Proverbs. We acquire wisdom when we read these stories of these great patriarchs in, in Scripture. When we, when we read the wisdom of Scripture, we learn practical things like how to work with others more effectively. <laughs> we find passages in the Bible that help us develop healthy, healthy relationships in our families and our marriages with our friends. We... we our time on earth is short, but, but when we study the word of God, we find financial principles, not just about stewardship and faithfulness in giving, but we find principles about stewardship, how I manage what God has entrusted me with. It's all in the Bible. It's all in the book. This world is, is full of, of books, but there's only one book, the Bible, that has the depth and breadth of wisdom that can absolutely change our life and help us navigate from this life into the life to come, like I preached about on Sunday. We know that eternity, that we are all marching toward an eternity. We are all marching toward an eternity with or without God. We cannot afford to let the greatest book of wisdom that the world has ever known sit idly on our bookshelves collecting dust. We got to get it up, we got to blow it off, and start collecting the wisdom that is in this book. And the worse our world gets, the more we have to dive into the wisdom of the Word of God. As we dive into wisdom, we understand that our faith in Christ is displayed in our behavior and our actions. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, the reverence, the awe, the reverence. Not, ah, I'm afraid, but it's the reverence of the Lord. Why? Because when I revere him, when I revere him, there's certain ways that I act in his presence. When I revere him, there are certain ways I act in his house. And there's certain ways I don't act in his house. When I fear the Lord, I have a reverence. You know, if you pick, if, you, if, if I said to you, what historical figure, what world figure would you more like to meet that you'd be more fascinated to have a conversation with outside of anybody in the Bible? If there was a, in fact, let's do this. What world leader, what, what world person in history, sports, fame, whatever, if you could meet anybody and have a 30-minute conversation with them, uh, on the count of three, I want you to say who it would be. One, two, three. Perfect. <laughs> Lots of different names there. Lots. 
we revere these people. And if, if George Washington was your person or Abraham Lincoln was your person, you would not walk up to Abraham Lincoln. Come here, Levi, real quick. You wouldn't walk up to Abraham Lincoln and be like, yo, what's up, man? Oh, how's it going? Bro. Right? Why? Sorry, Levi. Sorry. Give Levi a hand. Because I'm friends with Levi, but I revere George Washington. You understand the difference? You remember those shirts that came out, Jesus is my homeboy? Anybody ever seen those? Those shirts were out, for, they were popular for, anybody ever seen one of those shirts? Yeah, a few of you, okay. Some of you had one, you're afraid to admit it. Jesus is my homeboy. I'm, I'm to be, confession, can I confess tonight? Uh, those, those, I seen people wearing those, that got on my nerves. That got on my nerves. I want to say, man, Jesus ain't your homeboy. He's going to be the God that sits in judgment for your life one day. Now, I'm not going to bed scared to death, but Jesus isn't my buddy, yo, what's up? Because I revere him. I have a fear of the Lord. Jesus ain't your homeboy. Maybe I should tie. I'll preach a message about that. Jesus ain't your homeboy. <laughs> we need a return of the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord. Because if I fear him, if I revere him, I'm going to revere his commandments. My, my pastor told me, uh, he said it several times, he said it again on the phone today. He said, the, the, the bottom line is, uh, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And when it all comes down to it, there are some people that love their life too much to keep his commandments. <laughs> but if you revere him, it affects everything. If I fear the Lord... I walk in his ways. If I fear the Lord, I know one day I'm gonna stand in judgment. So before I treat or mistreat a brother, I, I see what the Lord has to say about that. Before I hold aught against a brother or a sister, I see what the Lord has to say about that. Before I make some big financial decision, I see what the word has to say about that. Before I treat the kingdom of God or the church of God just willy-nilly, devil may care, I see what the word has to say about it. Before I prioritize my finances, I see what the word has to say about it. That's what I'm talking about, the fear of the Lord, a reverence of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus ain't your homeboy. And he demands more from us than signing a church membership or, you know, or, or you know, shaking the pastor's hand or, you know, accepting, you know, that, 
that you're a part of now, the community of Christ, all these things that different churches do, uh, the Lord requires more than that. He requires, that's easy. Sign your name, shake a hand. That's easy. That's like getting the Holy Ghost. That's a one-time deal, Jack. But now you got to walk in it. Now, now, now I got to live that out on Monday when that dude makes me mad at work. Now I got to live it out on Tuesday when she does that thing that she knows gets on everybody's nerves at the office. Now I got to live it out on Wednesday when you're like this with your spouse or your kids aren't listening or whatever. That's the way of wisdom. That's where disciples are made. That's where disciples are proven. And Jesus said our faith in him is proven through our behavior and our actions. Amen? Our reverence for the Lord is displayed to the world. It's delivered in our actions. Anybody ever get an Amazon box at your door? Ding, ding. Amazon. Get ready to open up this big fulfillment center over in Davenport. and Gonna be dropping off packages by drones and all this stuff. Do you know how we deliver Jesus to the world? Our behavior, our actions. Well, I go to church on Sunday. Yeah, but you act like the devil on Monday. Yeah, I talked in tongues Sunday. Yeah, but you gossip about people all week long. Yeah, I pray in the spirit. Yeah, but you cuss somebody out on Friday. Well... Y'all, re- we done? We ready? We ready to be done? <laughs> right? The, the, the wisdom of God, like an Amazon package is delivered to your door, the wisdom of God is delivered to our world. The goodness of God delivered to our world by our behavior, by our actions, by how we live our lives. When somebody does something you don't like, do you write them off? When somebody does something that upsets you or hurts your feelings, do you go punch them out? Or do you say 70 times seven? Bro, I know you didn't mean to do that anyway, man. It's no big deal. Because, you know, if, if the Lord, if we told it up all the times, the Lord and others have forgiven us, See, wisdom is shown when we put hands and feet to it and we deliver wisdom to our world by how we behave and how we don't behave. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that we as Christians, we, we gotta do more than just dress the part on, on Sunday. We gotta do more than just come in and say amen on, on Wednesday, Right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle. I hope, I hope nobody in here feels, man, I'll just, like, you know, I'm, I'm teaching and, and you're just, man, convicted under the chair and, man, feel like you're, you know, a worthless pile of meat. No, that, that, that's not, we're all in the works. We're all in the process. We're all on the potter's wheel. We're all trying to be better. Just try to walk a little better tomorrow than you did today. Just say, Lord, help me grow a little more tomorrow than I did today. God, let me exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, the works of wisdom, a little bit more tomorrow than I did today. 
Back in the, back in the Old West days, they had a, a saying that, that, that developed. They, they would say this. Maybe you've heard it before. They'd say about someone. They'd say, he's all hat and no cattle. You might know where that phrase came from. It was, it was these guys that were trying to go be a part of the Western, westward expansion. And they'd go to, I guess, the, the Western store, and they'd buy a big old 10-gallon hat, and, and they'd buy the boots, and they'd look the part and, and, and come to find out, they, you know, uh, they'd, they'd go to places like Texas, and they were intended to tame Texas, but really Texas tamed them. They, they weren't, they, the West tamed them versus the other way around. And they would say, these, these men are all hat and no cattle. In other words, they looked apart, but they've never been around a cattle the day, day in their life. They don't know the first thing about running a ranch. They don't know the first thing about expanding the West. We have to be careful that as, as church goers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as Christians, that we're not all hat, no cattle. And we're not all talking no accident. We, we don't just do the part, go to church, man. Hey, come to my Mother's Day service. Come to our Easter service. Uh, but we are not living the life. Because you can carry your Bible into church. You can have a Bible big enough to choke a dinosaur. I mean, like my big Bible. You, you can have a big old Bible. You can read your Bible. You can even pray every day. You can even spout off scripture verses. But brothers and sisters, if we are not walking in the way of wisdom, if wisdom is not producing its works in our life, if, if the wisdom that we are living is not producing the fruit of the Spirit in all of our relationships, we are as Christians all hat and no cattle. No amount of outward holiness, no amount of prayer publicly or public worship can forever hide a lack of true inward humility and true inward holiness. If there's a deficit of inward holiness, it will come out in your behavior. Let me say that again. If there is a deficit of inward holiness, it will be obvious to those around you by your behavior. And you can talk in tongues till your tongue falls off. But if you're not acting right, God's not pleased. It's not one or the other. It's not I forsake the spirit and I just try to live a good, clean life, no. We can have our cake and eat it too in the kingdom of God. That's why he gives us the power of the spirit so that we can be overcomers through him so that we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wisdom is proved by its right deeds. We don't wanna be all hat, no cattle. The, the saying is also true, the proof's in the pudding. Jesus said wisdom is justified in her children, or watch this, wisdom is justified in the children are what is produced, right? And Jesus was saying that your wisdom in your life is justified by what you produce so my question is for you, what is your life producing? Good. 
If wisdom is proved by what it produces, anybody can share a quote. Anybody can spout off something that somebody else has shared or share a tweet from somebody else, some wise-sounding quote. But is there fruit in your life? Wisdom stands the test of time. Like Proverbs 31, the woman, the Bible says her children rise up and call her blessed because wisdom stands the test of time. Over time, the works of wisdom will be its validation. Time is a tattletale. If our hearts are right, time will bear it out. If our spirit's right, time will prove it out. If what we are doing is wise, time will bear it out out. When we, the great thing about it is, you know, as we look at this, probably every one of us, or at least most of us, or okay, forget about you, at least me, read this and say, man, I'm not that wise sometimes. I need to be more wise. But the good thing is, any one of us, wisdom in the kingdom of God doesn't have to do anything at all with what elementary school you went to or what high school you graduated from, or if you even graduated high school, or what college you may or may not have went to. Wisdom doesn't have anything to do with what your family last name is or what your DNA is. Wisdom has to do, wisdom can be in your life if you will just be be humble and hungry enough to search the scriptures and pray every day, God, let the works of your wisdom be produced in my life today. God, let the fruit of your spirit be produced in my life today. Like, like the rich, young ruler, we got to go a little bit further. We, we don't want to walk away and, and just be, be disappointed by what we, we have to do. We can show ourselves to be faithful servants and say, Lord, I want your wisdom in my life. We, we need his wisdom. Wisdom will tell us how to act. Wisdom will tell us what to do. Wisdom will, will prove its, itself time and time and time and time again. Wisdom will keep us from jumping into every new issue or contention in our world. That's why uh, the Bible says that the anger of man does not prove the righteousness of God, that the, the anger of man doesn't, doesn't accomplish or produce the righteousness of God, but it's all filthy, rampant wickedness. Wisdom will keep us from getting involved in all of those things. We need the wisdom of God. And if we live in his wisdom, we can absolutely change our world. In closing tonight, I want to read just this list. Don't worry, I'm not going to teach through all 30 of these, but I'm going to read this this list. I want you to think about this. And this would be a great list for you to just work your way through in your prayer and your personal study time. There are more. I whittled it down to 30. Uh, I had it at 25, and then I found so many others. I put it at 30, and, and really, honestly... I edited out uh, about 60. So there's, there's a lot of, there's so much in scripture that shows us what wisdom produces. What does wisdom produce? Let's look at this together. It's on your last page in your notes there, uh, I, I believe. If you have a handout, if you don't, you can get one before you leave. What does wisdom produce? Wisdom produces the fear of the Lord. Wisdom produces a desire to seek wisdom. Wisdom helps us 
guard our heart. Wisdom teaches us to be generous. Wisdom teaches us to love our neighbor. Wisdom teaches us to pray without ceasing. Wisdom teaches us to be very slow to anger. Wisdom teaches us to forgive others quickly. Wisdom teaches us not to lie. Wisdom teaches us to be humble. Wisdom teaches us not to envy others. Wisdom uh, tells us that we shouldn't unjustly judge others. Wisdom teaches us to be patient. Wisdom teaches us to keep our promises. Wisdom teaches us not to repay evil with evil. Somebody does evil to you, well, they did it to me first. No, wisdom says, don't repay evil with evil. Give good be kind, forgive, love your enemies, do good to them that, that abuse and, and, and use you. That's what the Bible says. Wisdom teaches us to repent of our sins. Wisdom teaches us to trust in the Lord, to be content with what we have. Wisdom teaches us to serve others. It teaches us to honor our parents. Wisdom teaches us not to gossip. Wisdom teaches us to avoid sexual immorality, to seek peace and not conflict to practice gratitude in all things. Wisdom teaches us to be kind and compassionate. Wisdom teaches us to follow Jesus Christ. It teaches us to do everything without grumbling or complaining. Wisdom teaches us to not be conformed to this world. It teaches us to speak the truth in love. And finally, as we stand together, wisdom teaches us to treat others as we want to be treated. I don't know about you, but I want his wisdom in my life. I want his wisdom. Wisdom will prove the test of time. If I try to live by his wisdom, you know what? I'm not going to be up and down from Sunday to Sunday. You ever met anybody like that? You don't know. It's a flip of the coin, whether they're going to be on a high or on a low. Whether they're going to be loving life and happy to be alive or they're going to be depressed and eating worms all by themselves in the corner. Wisdom helps us not live like that. Wisdom helps us to moderate. Modesty is not just something that applies to our dress. Wisdom teaches us to moderate our lives. Wisdom teaches us to live lives that point people to Jesus simply by living lives that this world says, hey, I'd like to be a little more like them. If that's what you want for your life, why don't you lift your hands and your voices to the Lord and let's ask, let's ask him to help us right now. Come on, all across this room.